1: They were speaking to him in an insulting way. Who is the Son of Man? You know, you could hear their tone. What they were basically saying was, our Messiah is not going to die. You're going to die. How can you be our Messiah? You know what's sad? At the point that these men are right now, they would rather have no Christ than a suffering Christ. you hear what I said? They would rather have no Christ than a suffering Christ. That's where they were. They're Christ. They're Messiah. Now, when I
0: say Christ the Messiah, they're the same word. One of the biggest snares within Christianity is religious hypocrisy. All too often, you'll hear unbelievers say that they like Jesus, but they don't like Christians because of hypocrisy. Jesus himself couldn't stand hypocrites. Today, Pastor Dave will be exhorting you to repent of any hypocrisy and live a sincere Christian life. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John, chapter 12, as he begins his message, An Earnest Appeal.
1: So you can pay me now or you can pay me later. You never heard that guy holding up a Fram oil filter? You can pay me now or you can pay me later. He's speaking about the importance of changing your oil in your car on a regular basis. And he's saying that if you do not do that, your car will eventually have problems. And he's the mechanic. So again, he says, you can pay me now for the oil filter and the oil change, or you can pay me later for the giant mechanic bill. That's what the purpose of here. Well, I found some commonality in today's verses that Jesus is speaking to these men that have gathered there, believe it or not. And only my mind could probably. But Jesus is making one final plea to the men that have been gathered around him. He's telling them that they still have an opportunity to believe in the light. They they still have an opportunity to become children of a light. But if they choose not to believe, they're going to be left in darkness. And Jesus is making this final plea to each of them. Now, ever since Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, the cross has been closer and closer and closer. It's only now days away. Days away from the cross. And Jesus is still speaking to those Jews and Greeks that wanted to see him way back in verse 20. Many consider this as Jesus' last public speech. Many say that this is the last time that Jesus speaks openly in public. So his words are extremely important to us and as they were to these men. You remember the conversation They're confused because Jesus was talking about the Son of Man. They were confused about the title, the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? What is the Son of Man all about? You can't be the Son of Man because you said you're going to die. Our Messiah, who is the Son of Man, will not die. Our Messiah will live forever. How can you possibly be the Son of Man? So they had this back and forth about who the Son of Man was, and they were hung up on The title, Son of Man. They weren't asking this question, though, seeking information. They were basically being sarcastic. They were taunting him. They were speaking to him in an insulting way. Who is the Son of Man? You know, you could hear their tone. What they were basically saying was, our Messiah is not going to die. You're going to die. How can you be our Messiah? You know what's sad? At the point that these men are right now, they would rather have no Christ than a suffering Christ. Do you hear what I said? They would rather have no Christ than a suffering Christ. That's where they were. Their Christ, their Messiah. Now, when I say Christ and the Messiah, they're the same word. Please remember that. Their Christ, their Messiah was not going to die. He was going to rule and reign forever. Well, yes, he will. But they forgot about the suffering Messiah in Isaiah. They forgot about the suffering Messiah who would come and be despised and rejected. So in today's verses, Jesus makes one last earnest appeal for them to believe. He's giving them one final chance. Instead of answering their theological question, who is the son of man? Jesus says to these men, and I'm going to give you a warning. Put aside your trivial religious prejudices. Say that five times. Put aside your frivolous objections. Don't worry about my character. And consider who it is who's standing in front of you. And he's asking him now to consider the consequences of rejecting him. He's asking a lot of them in these very, very small verses. He's asking a great deal. He's asking them to consider not only his words, but his works as well. He's asking them to put everything they have seen and heard and match them with the scriptures and come to the truth. I believe he's asking us to do the same thing today. I believe he's asking us to look at the scriptures, see what they say, and apply them to the truth as we know it. Instead of arguing over words, instead of arguing over his birth, instead of arguing about who his father is or where he comes from, Jesus wanted these people to consider their present condition. And that's what I want you to do today. Consider your present condition. Where is your heart? Consider your present condition. This is what Jesus is asking these guys. Look at your present condition. He wanted them to think spiritually. Think about this in a spiritual way. Why? They were in a state of unbelief. They were in a very stagnant state of unbelief. And Jesus came to save those who are lost, right? These men were certainly lost. They were certainly lost. They were stuck in the religious box. They were stuck in the religious box. They were hanging on to their religiosity. They were hanging on to their prejudices that were formed by their religiosity. They were hanging on to what they had been taught year after year after year. And now Jesus is saying, here I am, I'm right in front of you. Can you not make the connection? Can you not make the connection between what you read, what you see, what you hear, and me. They couldn't. They couldn't. This was an hour of crisis for these men. It could be an hour of crisis for you today. It could be a time of great crisis for you. But it was also an hour of opportunity. And it's an hour of opportunity for you too today. So in this last earnest appeal, this last earnest appeal that Jesus has to these guys to believe in him, he basically presents them with six possibilities for their consideration. He had a great concern for the souls of men. So he begins to instruct these guys to look within your own hearts. To see the evil that dwells there. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Well, Christ knows it. God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your heart right now. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows The evil that they were plotting against him. Christ knew it. He wanted them to consider their everlasting state. You know, it's almost like he was asking them, have you ever used this as a witnessing tool? If you were to die today, where would you go? Do you know your eternal maker? Do you know your, you know, that's how we used to open up evangelism, open up a a conversation about the Lord. It's almost like Jesus is asking them, if you die today, what's gonna happen to you? Jesus is standing in the midst of sinful men, his favorite place, and he never blinks an eye. This is why he came. This is the purpose for which he came, and now he's speaking to them. And first, he wants them to consider the great opportunity that he is offering them. I've chopped these verses up, so let's look at verse 35a. A little while the light is with you. There is one standing in your midst, one who is revealing God's truth to you, one who is revealing the light, the true light, the light that came down from heaven. But you don't realize who it is. You don't realize who's standing before you, that the true light has come. See, they had Christ bodily. Jesus was standing before them. And I've heard a lot of you said, and I've said in the past, boy, I wish I walked in Jesus' day. I'd love to be able to walk beside him, and and I'd love to be able to to be there. And boy, I would do this, and I would do that. Well, you know what I say of myself? Hogwash. I'd be one one of the ones yelling, crucify him. These guys had Jesus right there. They were staring into the eyes of God. But they refused to believe. They heard his preaching. They saw his miracles. They refused to believe. He says, a little while the light is with you, a little while longer. Soon the light will be extinguished by the cross. So Jesus gives them a second consideration. They have a clear duty, and it's one word. 35B, walk. Walk. What does walk mean? Well, in the... Greek, it means to follow. It means to follow after, to know and follow hard after you. We sang that today. To know and follow hard after you. That's our job, to know and walk and follow after Jesus Christ. He wanted them to follow him. He wanted them to believe in him, believe in his words. Their duty, our duty, is to walk. Walk. Follow Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying to them, hey, I'm still here. You need to take full advantage of the situation. You need to follow me. You need to repent of your sin. What was Jesus' very first words when he appeared on the scene? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, he hasn't changed. The message hasn't changed. They need to turn from their wicked ways, and they need to follow Jesus. That's what repenting is, just turning from their wicked ways. What did he, how did he call all of his disciples? Follow me. Oh, he said, follow me. Well, that's what this word is. Walk, walk with me, fellowship with me, follow me, learn of me, trust in me. Put all those adjectives together. Walk, or actually they're verbs. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus has given them a command. This is what we need to do. Be in my place, place your trust in me, submit to me. I love this. One commentator said this, quote, it is our business to walk, to press forward towards heaven and to get nearer to it by being made more fit for it. Our life is but a day, and we have a day's journey to go, unquote. I like that. So Jesus has now said, listen, you got a great opportunity. You've got a great opportunity, and you have a duty here. And then he gives them a solemn warning in 35C, while you have the light. In other words, the light's not going to be always around, guys. The light is fading away it's not always going to be around he is offering this man a great opportunity he's telling them that they have a clear duty to walk in the light to follow him while the light is still here Jesus is telling them that there's going to come a time when he's not hell he's not going to be around Jesus knows his hour had come back in verse 20 it says he knew his hour had come not verse 20 23 I, I'm lied the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He knew his hour has come. He knew he was just a couple steps from the cross. He knew it was time for him to be lifted up. What a great opportunity these men had. While he was still here, walking the light as he is the light. What a great opportunity that they had to follow Jesus. He's basically saying, don't waste the opportunity. Don't waste the time. Are you wasting your time today? Are you practicing church by being here? Is this some religious thing that you do because it's Sunday? No, don't do that. Don't get caught in a religious box. Don't get caught there. These people have an opportunity to assure themselves of everlasting life. What did Jesus say to Martha? What did he say to Martha? He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. Jesus is appealing these men not to waste the opportunity that's in front of them giving him a clear opportunity, giving him a great opportunity, a clear duty, a solemn warning. And then he tells them about the terrible possibilities that could happen by rejecting him again. Again, verse 35, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. In other words, you're going to lose your opportunities because you're going to be in the dark. You're gonna walk around in the dark. Now, I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the middle of the night and it's pitch black in my room and I need to go into the restroom, I hit everything that's on the floor. Every single thing that's lying around, I hit it because it's dark and I can't see it. Have you ever really been in a pitch dark place? One time, my wife and I went up to Lancaster and we stayed at these little cabins in this farm somewhere, and when we turned out the lights, it was dark. I mean, usually now when I'm when in my room, we have a I have a TV there that gives off a little bit of glow because of the box, you know, and the street lights and things. But this place, it was dark. I couldn't see a thing. I hated it. I hated it. I didn't like it at all. So he's telling these guys, listen, if, if you don't take this opportunity, if you don't take this opportunity, you're going to find yourself in darkness, and you're going to not know where you're going. You're going to be stumbling around, not being able to find your way. We know Jesus is the way. You'll be left in only darkness. And you know what? He's kind of telling them, if you don't know your way, you're going to be kind of like your forefathers who couldn't find their way for 40 years in the wilderness. As they wandered and wandered and wandered because of unbelief, they kept on wandering. So while Jesus says, I'm here, Seize the opportunity. Seize the chance. Don't let it go by. Respond now in truth. Respond in truth by faith. The alternative is being left in darkness. He's saying the darkness he's talking about is total separation from God. Total darkness. By a simple step of faith, these people could have passed out of spiritual darkness and into the light of salvation. A simple little step of belief, a simple little step of faith, but they could not do it. They could not do it. So Jesus clarifies this duty that they have to walk when he says in verse 36a, while you have the light, believe in the light. Believe. It's another clear duty. Believe in the light. Jesus is making this clear offer to them. The light's still here. Believe in the light. Put your prejudices aside. Look in your scriptures. Find the truth about me that is speaking to you. I make this offer. Jesus is saying take the first step in your walk. Believe upon him whom God has sent. Believe in the, the everlasting life. Don't let your religiosity hold you back from believing. Jesus says all these things and then he finally comes up in verse 36 in the end he says he gives them a glorious prospect that you may become sons of light. There's a caveat at the end. There's a caveat at the end of this belief, at the end of this walk of faith. It's called eternal life. The caveat is eternal life. He said, the light's here. Walk in the light. Don't stumble in darkness. You don't have to. And if you do, you're going to be children of the light. You're going to be sons of God, daughters of God. You're going to be children of the Most High. It's up to you. It's up to you. Glorious prospect of being a child of God, a child of the light. Jesus said that those who believe will be children of the light. If you're a child of the light, guess what? You're not walking in darkness, are you? You're not walking in darkness. You know where you're going. You know what awaits you. You know you have a future and a hope in Christ Jesus. When you're not walking in darkness, you know you have eternal life, and nobody can tell you different. You know what the scriptures say, and you anxiously await for Christ's return. You anxiously look for him and wait for his return to snatch us out of here and take us away in the rapture. Trying to make yourself pure and holy through the Holy Spirit, waiting upon him to come and gather us up for himself and take us home. We wait for that. We pray for that. And as the days get darker and darker in the land in which we live, our prayers are more fervent than ever that he would soon return as it was once said long, long time ago. If the Lord doesn't do something with the United States, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't even remember who said it. Somebody said it. Children of the light. What does that mean? Well, according to the Hebrew dialect here, it basically means that those who are in a state of light which is endued with the knowledge of him and holiness. Walking in the light as he is in the light. Jesus said, this is no more time than this. I'm going to be lifted up, and I hope that you will get this. I hope that you will see this. He's made this earnest appeal to all men. And then he departs and hides himself until the time is full. Look at the rest of it. These things Jesus spoke and departed and was hidden from them. Jesus didn't say any more to them, but he left and hoped that they would consider his words, and that's all I can do as a pastor. That's all that anyone can do that teaches the Word of God. put the word out there and hope that you would consider it. Hope that you would take it into your life, read it, study it, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about it. and that's our hope, and that's what we do here. But he did this for two reasons: He left them to their own conviction and their own awaiting, awakening. They had to be convicted themselves. See, I can't accept Jesus for you. I can't force you to accept Jesus. I can't force you to be born again. That's got to be something that the Holy Spirit convicts you of, that the Holy Spirit draws you into. You've got to willingly come into this relationship with Jesus Christ. You can't be forced into it. You've got to willingly come into it. So Jesus left these guys with his words it's almost like he's chewing it, guys. But think about it. Think about the words that have been said. Think about what is going on here. He hoped that they would. If they won't accept what he said, he doesn't have anything more to say to them. What more can he say? What, once the gospel is preached, what more can you say? When you're witnessing to somebody and you get to the gospel and you tell them the gospel, what's left to say except, will you accept? That's it. There's nothing else left to say. So Jesus knows that, and he leaves them to their own devices. If they don't believe, they're going to die in their sin and in total darkness. He also left for his own preservation. He also left because he knew that they were going to be angry at what he's saying. They're going to be a little ruly as usual, so he went and hid himself from all their rage and fury, and it's believed that he went and he retreated to Bethany. It's believed that that's where he went. So how do we apply this to us? How does this now equate from 2,000 years ago that Jesus is saying to these men to us here in 2019? How does this apply? Well, I thought about that at length when I was doing this study, and, and I came up with several things I hope they apply. We live in what is known as the age of grace. We live in the age of grace, the church age. It is the age of grace. What does that mean? That means that by God's grace through faith, you can be saved. By believing on Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, by believing in a sacrifice, by believing that he died on the cross for your sin and confessing those sins, believing that God raised them on the third day, you will be saved. It's the age of grace. That belief is accounted to you as righteousness, just like Abraham's belief. It's the age of grace. We become children of God by faith. We're not under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law completely and perfectly. But God has still given us an earnest appeal. We now have the opportunity to come into his kingdom by faith and become his child. You can come freely, just as you are. It's a beautiful, beautiful invitation We also have a clear duty. Walk in the light. We're to walk in the light. We must walk in the light as he is in the light, having fellowship one to another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's what it says in 1 John 1.7. It's interesting that the Greek word used here for continuing should be translated continually. You are assured.
0: The book of John covers Jesus' life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website Just click on the Messages tab when you visit assurehoperadio.com We'd love to meet you too Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel, Cape May by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at assurehoperadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of A sure Hope.